Greetings, fellow humans. We are Red Plateaus, and we're two people who are interested in socialist ideas, especially those of Karl Marx. One of us even does it as a job at uni. Welcome to the podcast version of this episode, which can also be found in video format on our YouTube channel, Red Plateaus. We hope you enjoy it. In the early history of Marxism, thinkers like Karl Kautsky, Georgi Plekhanov, and pre-1914 Lenin talked of dialectics primarily as thinking in terms of processes, change, and the different perspectives within them. During the crisis triggered by many German Marxists' support for the imperialist First World War, however, Lenin embarked on a detailed reading of Hegel's Science of Logic, criticized Plekhanov for writing nothing of Hegel's logic, and wrote that it is impossible to completely understand Marx's capital, and especially its first chapter, without having thoroughly studied and understood the whole of Hegel's logic. Consequently, half a century later, none of the Marxists understood Marx. They had, Lenin found, neglected the dialectical core of Marx's thought. Now writing that dialectics can be defined as the doctrine of the unity of opposites. Let's explore what they'd been missing. In the previous episode of this series, we saw that according to Marx, things interact with each other, that through their interactions they generate the larger totalities they are part of, through these interactions we shape the totalities we're part of, and we are shaped by them in turn. Our friendships, relationships, and organizations are made up of human beings interacting. They grow and change as we act in ways that maintain and further develop them, and as we play our roles within them, they affect us in turn, shaping how we develop our capacities, our needs, wants, and interests, and our perspectives and ideas. To understand what interactive things are like, we need to understand the patterns of interaction or the relations that they are made up of. A famous example of this is capital, which Marx clearly defines as a social relation of production. This enables us to recognize that some things which appear opposite, disconnected, and unrelated are really aspects or components of one and the same thing. The front and back of a ship are two aspects of a single entity, good and bad are different components of the same moral outlook, man and woman are opposite positions in the same gender binary, and capitalists and proletarians are different sides of the capital relation. This phenomenon is called the interpenetration or the unity of opposites. The interpenetration of opposites does not simply refer to some idea that sometimes things are opposed to one another. Rather, it's when the opposites are the opposites that they are, in virtue of being interrelated in and through the same totality. Being different aspects or components of the same single totality, each presupposes, depends on, and thus in some way penetrates the other. What each of them is? is determined by both being relational parts of the same unity. Moral judgments of good and bad make sense only on the basis of a moral framework that they both refer back to. Our current categories of man and woman both refer back to a gender binary which defines them both, and capitalists and proletarians are different sides, different relata, of the same capital relation through which workers are dominated. That's why emancipating workers entails abolishing capitalists. 
capitalism doesn't just have its opposites, it has multiple contradictions as well. This idea is much less weird than it sounds. The origin of the word for contradiction in both English and German means to say against. Someone contradicts us when they say something against, something contra, what we're saying. If we say that the US is an empire, and liberals say it isn't, we are contradicting each other because we're saying two things that are opposed and incompatible. We can also contradict ourselves by saying contradictory things, and even when saying things that aren't per se true or false, like saying destroy ice and don't destroy ice. These are imperatives, not claims about what is the case, but I'd still be contradicting myself if I said both, because I'd be saying two opposed and mutually incompatible things. We can't both destroy ice and not destroy ice at the same time. Our non-verbal actions can also be contradictory. Imagine someone voting both for and against a proposal by show of hands, or someone who both acts in ways to get closer with the person they're dating because they're falling in love with them, but also pushing them away because they're scared of intimacy. Such people are being contradictory in a way that's pretty straightforward and easy to understand. They are doing things that are opposed and incompatible in the sense that they can't both be successful. You can't succeed in getting close to someone and in pushing them away at the same time, and you can't both pass and not pass a particular proposal at the same time either. This is the sense in which capitalism is contradictory. The capital relation includes two classes with contradictory interests. Workers with an interest in improving wages and conditions, including achieving their freedom through collective self-emancipation and the communism this implies, and capitalists with an interest in maximizing profits at the cost of wages and conditions, including preventing communist transition and preserving the capitalism that ensures their positions of power, wealth, and privilege. Here we have a single, relationally defined thing, the capital relation, capitalism, which involves two interrelated processes, working and capitalist class struggles, which push in oppose and incompatible directions. One tends and struggles towards replacing capitalism through communism, and the other towards preserving capitalism and obstructing communism. This is a contradiction not simply because there are things that oppose each other. Rather, it's because there's a single totality that generates two expressions or processes that are opposed and incompatible, in the sense that the completion of one rules out the completion of the other. If someone says destroy ice and don't destroy ice, that person is being contradictory because there's a single totality, in this case a person, generating two expressions or processes which are opposed and incompatible. Capitalism gives rise to two expressions or processes that are opposed and incompatible in the same way. The root of the contradiction between labor and capital is capital itself, and it's their failure to grasp this that means liberal attempts at resolving it always fail. Solving this contradiction requires a qualitative change from one society to another. Here people might worry, how is it possible to change such a powerful and all-pervasive social relation, stepping from capitalism to communism in one fell swoop? First, we must understand that despite making a number of claims about what communist society will be like, 
Marx and Engels don't see communism as a point to reach, but as the real movement which abolishes the present state of things. We can make sense of this when we recall how Marx thinks in terms of processes and relations. Just like carving a tree into a canoe is destruction for the tree, but creation and development to the canoe, communist revolution is destruction for capitalism, but creation and development for communism. They are two perspectives, two points of view, on the same single process, the process of working class self-emancipation that realizes universal human emancipation. This is why for Marx there are no static steps from or between capitalism and communism, only different phases of the process of communism itself. To see what this process looks like for Marx, we need to understand what's called the transformation of quantity into quality. This refers to the idea that changes in the amount or degree of something can eventually reach a certain internal threshold that triggers a transformation in the nature of the thing itself, changing its internal structure and the powers that emerge from it. Keep adding heat to a body of liquid water, and eventually it will turn into steam. Add new atoms to a molecule, and you get a new molecule. And with a certain amount of time passed, food eaten, etc., a caterpillar will grow and transform into a butterfly. For Marx, the transition from capitalism to communism will similarly involve processes of quantitative changes, like capital concentrating and growing working class organizing, that finally tips over into a revolutionary process that reshapes society as a whole, a qualitative change from one set of social relations to another. A transformation of quantity into quality isn't just one thing changing into another. Rather, it's when an increase or decrease in the amount of a component or aspect of a totality triggers its transformation into a qualitative new totality, with different internal relations and different powers emerging out of them. So communist revolution for Marx isn't about replacing capitalism in one fell swoop. It's a process of evolutionary development that gradually reaches an internal threshold and spills over into more rapid, revolutionary social transformation. The relationship between capitalism and communism seems paradoxical. On the one hand, communism develops within and out of capitalism. On the other hand, communism opposes capitalism, working to replace it altogether. This duality is often captured by the German word Aufhebung, often translated sublation, which means simultaneously to raise up and preserve, or take further on the one hand, and yet also to cancel or abolish on the other. As you can imagine, this has led to lots of headaches for translators, as when they disagree on whether Marx and Engels, in the Communist Manifesto, want to transcend or abolish the bourgeois family. But what does it even mean to negate capitalism? In Volume 1 of Capital, Marx writes about how, first, capitalist appropriation negates capitalist private property by concentrating it on fewer and fewer hands, replacing the private property of hundreds of little businesses with the monopolizing behemoths we see today. Hi Google. This process itself develops the forces of production and the working class struggle that transforms society, thus producing its own negation, the negation of the negation, which does not re-establish private property, but it does indeed establish individual property 
on the basis of the achievements of the capitalist era, namely cooperation and the possession in common of the land and the means of production produced by labor itself. This isn't simply cancelling or removing something, nor is it just a mix of replacing some things while preserving others. Rather, it's a process of self-transcendence that develops from the structure that makes, in this case capitalism, what it is. Capitalist social relations defines its forms of property and generate the capital accumulation processes that take property away from small businesses over time. These same relations generate the working class struggle that transforms society in ways that eliminate capital accumulation and take back control on the basis of free, collective self-direction and cooperation. For Marx, the conditions of communist society are developed by capitalism itself, and the task of revolutionaries is to help this higher form of society to grow out of the shell of the one we have. One of the ways that he sought to do this was by laying bare capitalism's laws of motion, helping the working class movement to make sense of capitalism and thus better be able to replace it. In this episode, we explain the core concepts of Marxist dialectics. In the next, we'll see the role they play in formulating the laws and logic that make society and history rationally comprehensible. We're at Plateaus. We now also exist as a podcast, we're on Twitter, and we have a Discord. For info, see the description. We'd like to thank our friends who helped with the script and our patrons. We love you all, comrades, and your names should be appearing on screen as I speak. If you like our work and think it's important, please send us some money on Patreon. If you have any questions about the video, things you'd like us to talk about in the future, or anything else really, please let us know in the comments. And until next time, long live the revolution. This has been another episode by Red Plateaus. Please enjoy the rest of your day, and long live the revolution.